Always wanted to co-host a podcast but never had the chance? Well, now you can. Hi, folks, it's Ryan. And Tara from your favorite Disney podcast. We know you've all loved listening to our podcast, but wouldn't you like to be a part of it? For a limited time during the month of July, we want you to tell your friends about us. Just direct them to our Facebook group. Search Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries on Facebook. And get them to join. The person who invites the most new members by the end of the month will get a chance to co-host an episode with us. You could talk with us about 101 Dalmatians, Winnie the Pooh, Hercules, or many more. It's easy. So remember to tell your friends about your favorite podcast. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the episode. I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. All right, hello listeners. Today uh, we are doing the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yep. Are you excited about this one? I am excited about this one. Are you? I keep having this weird thing where like, so... A little behind the scenes, we record on Sundays, and then kind of the whole week, I'm interested more in what we've put out or what the next episode. Or is you're coming editing out is. also stuff from before. And for this, and and then kind of typically, especially with these ones that I haven't seen in a while, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of a lot of enthusiasm for them. And then I get to Saturday, and then I pull up whatever I start doing my research, and then I'm like, oh man! So now I'm all of a sudden like, I can't wait to do this one. I forgot how much I loved. Uh, the Headless Horseman and Ichabod and Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of memories about Wind in the Willows, except I remember when I was a kid, it was hard to watch. Like it wasn't on Disney mm-hmm. Channel a lot. Yeah. And I just remember wanting to watch it. And then I remember being somewhat uh, disappointed when I actually finally watched it start to finish. So we'll see. We'll see what holds up and yeah. what doesn't. I've seen Sleepy Hollow, I feel like, a million times because it's always on. Well, it always and they on play it around, yeah, around yes. Halloween. And, so, and we love Halloween. Yes, we are a huge Halloween family. The Headless Horseman is right in my perfect range of s- s- spooky, not scary. Yes. Uh, and so this came out in 1949, and it is the last of the package films that we'll see for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the synopsis here is an animated adaptation of The Wind in the Willows, followed by an adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So so one thing I have been doing, I, I'd like to start doing with this, is I'm now, I've got the top three movies of that year. So we can kind of oh, understand that's fun. I like that. what's going on. Yeah, well, which, and... Just to mention, this also got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's a high score. So I'm I sorry like tracking I that. that. I'm so sorry. I like tracking that as uh, well. The top three pictures of 1949, correct? Yes. They are Samson and Delilah, Jolson Sings Again, and Battleground. Three movies I know nothing about. Same. But still fun, and I like <laughs> I think doing it'll be, that. I think it'll be mm-hmm. something that'll, ma- that'll be a little bit more context yeah give give more context as we go forward so i thought my notes are kind of scattered but i thought it might be kind of fun to uh talk about the wind in the willows first and Mm -hmm. kind of focus on that one and then do sleepy hollow the wind in the willows is a children's novel from 1908 by kenneth graham and it's about anthropomorphic 
animals. Sorry, guys. We just did a previous thing. She had a hard time. I had a hard time. I was was tongue-tied. I was (laughs) tongue-tied saying it. Uh, And so when somebody read this in the family of Disney and the animators, I don't know exactly who it was, but they all felt that it would lend itself to animation because of what it was about. Well, it also lend itself to Disney animation specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, how it came to be uh, that Disney started doing a story based off of it. And I feel like there's been a whole lot of different versions of this story. The one I remember is there was kind of a stop motion one when I was a kid that was very, very subdued. Mm. Yeah. This one, um, we didn't mention this earlier, but the two narrators are famous names. And so the narrator for the first uh, animation is Basil... Basil Rathbone. Thank you. Basil Rathbone. Who I believe and i didn't see this he might he i know he played sherlock holmes that's yes that's what he's known for he starred in a film series about yes. sherlock holmes and i believe there was something like 14 or or mm-hmm. somewhere thereabouts of them so he he's, also has the most british sounding name i've ever heard yeah <laughs> so he's the he's the narrator for this one and then um bing crosby when we start talking about sleepy hollow bing is the narrator for that one mm-hmm. and the reason they cast both of them was to increase audience appeal so we've seen this Uh, In some of the other package films, as well as some of the other Disney animated classics we've talked about that, even though this might not be your wheelhouse of performers, uh, they were big in the day. They Mm -hmm, were big mm -hmm. when these movies came out. So Disney, you know, has had a long history of using big names to kind of get a larger audience appeal. Yeah. So they did that again with this. One of the big things we're going to see from this to watch is is the weasels from When the Willows become kind of uh, reoccurring Disney villains. Specifically, they're they're the the weasels, the Toon Patrol in Who Framed Roger Rabbit is designed after these guys. Yep. who are up there and some of my favorite kind of villainy. I love the yeah. Toon Patrol in Roger Rabbit. So they're kind of designed from that. Um, I have some stuff later about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which is obviously probably what this this film is most known for. And, yes, and what, the what ride. Out of here. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I did watch on a POV and we'll put up on the the Facebook page. Great. Wild is an excellent yeah. adjective for it. It is wild. And I'm like, what am I watching? And uh-huh. it's just so bizarre. And I have a very specific memory. Um, I went with a friend when I was probably in about eighth, eighth or ninth grade to Disney World with my family. And we went on that ride. And it's a lot of like cardboard cutouts coming at you as you go by a dark ride. And I very distinctly remember, I don't know how it, why, like why I did this. I just reached out and slapped one, which is, I, now I'm like, a big that, no. no, 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 don't do that. Do but that. I remember when I did it, I went, why did you do like immediately? Yeah. It was as if something overtook me. The spirit, the, the wild spirit of Mr. Toad himself <laughs> flew into me and was like, do something bad. That's funny. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. So a couple other things I wanted to highlight. Again, some of my facts I think make more sense after we've watched it. So I will save some of them. But uh, there is one moment where Rat describes Toad's latest obsession as motor mania. And for those of you who uh, follow Goofy and all the Goofy shorts, uh, that's also the title of a classic Goofy short released the next year in 1950 called Motor Motor Mania. And that I remember that goofy short. So we'll have to post that on the Facebook page Mm -hmm. as well uh, because that was kind of like a little nod and connection there. And the other thing I wanted to mention is in The Wind in the Willows, uh, the character Angus Angus MacBadger. Yes. 
Sorry. So let me say that again. And you can edit out the first one. So in The Wind in the Willows, the character Angus McBadger says Toad is spending too much money. This was apparently a sly dig at Roy Disney because apparently he would always complain to the animators about how much Walt was spending. <laughs> so this was their way to uh, kind of make mention of that in the story. So I found that kind of funny. That's all I've got on, on Sleepy Hollow. Like, I have a lot or of thoughts on, of, or Wind, on in the Wind in the Willows. I've got a couple more thoughts on the ride, but we can go into those once we've seen yeah. the, the picture. So the next one is Sleepy Hollow, and as we said, it's narrated by Bing Crosby. Uh, did you know? You, and I think you read some of the same facts I did. But part of the reason that Ichabod's ears were, were drawn so big was a reference to Bing Crosby. No, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yes. funny. Uh so the things I have on it is a little bit about how dark the villain was, how the Headless mm-hmm. Horseman is considered one of the darkest Disney songs as well as one of the scariest villains. As far as the song goes, it says it's one of the darkest and it's compared to Worthless from the Brave Little Toaster. Uh, that song apparently... I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it makes me want to go back and look at that. Mm -hmm. And it's also compared to Hellfire from Hunchback, which that is a very dark song. So uh, the other thing that I read is that still today, the Headless Horseman is cited as one of the scariest villains. And so the Headless Horseman is in the group with, um, I never say his name right, Chernabog. Yes, you said it perfectly. Oh, wonderful. So Chernabog from Fantasia, the Horned King in Black Cauldron, and Firebird from Fantasia 2000. I don't know Firebird because I haven't seen Fantasia 2000. Do you know what they're talking about? I do, yeah. So, um, So yeah, they say that they still get complaints from people saying that the Headless Horseman has scared their children. Uh, from the facts I was reading about it. So it is a spooky, kind of scary villain. Uh, I want to mention one more thing about the song specifically. Mm -hmm. The song was originally sung by Thurl Ravenscroft, who is the voice of the Grinch song, right? He does the the, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. He's one of, he does a lot of Disney stuff. He's one of the Grim Grinning Ghosts. And he was Tony the, the Tiger. Yes, 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 yes. So um, he originally sang The Headless Horseman, and it's on the Walt Disney record. It's a, um archived collection. I used to have these, like, volume one through whatever, and they were all collections of Disney music. It says it's on volume one of the CDs. So we're going to have to look it up because I would love to hear his version and see if we can post a link to that if it's on Spotify or see if maybe we can find it on YouTube. Uh, of him singing the song. So the story legend of Sleepy Hollow is 1820 originally, and it was written by Washington Irving, and it was written along with his companion piece, Rip Van Winkle. So I didn't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Does Disney ever cover that? Do you know? That I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Um, I, looked up I, I looked up separately the information on Irving, which was separate to the Disney information, so I'm not entirely sure. Do you have anything? Oh, Lady, I got ton. I just pulled an office lady's thing at you. Yeah, <laughs> have, you did. I have tons of uh, of information. Shout to- out to another great podcast. If you're fans of The Office, The Office Ladies podcast is delightful. A couple of uh, character design things you should look great. out for. Brom Bones is the inspiration for another Disney villain. Do oh, you, I know who it is because I was saving oh, it for okay. later for Gaston. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. I love Brom. I was really excited to see that. There's yeah. a lot of discussion of whether or not Brom is the actual hero in this story. I and saw I- Ichabod that as is the well. Villain because yeah. as you watch, look, Ichabod 
is greedy and is looking to go after what what is the uh K- Katrina is that the Yes, and Katrina yes. He's uh, going after for her for her father's inheritance and greed is typically a fault of Disney villains. So mm-hmm. it's weird that a hero would be greedy. Yeah, that is interesting. And something we'll have to look out for as we're watching it. And since you mentioned Katrina, she was modeled after Grace Martin and also uh, Slewfoot Slew, and it was to save money on animation. Yes. Now, so. I didn't say this in the in the Pecos Bill episode, but yes, she looks exactly like Grace, uh, the the Martin hillbilly mm-hmm. woman who I said was looked like a bombshell. But yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's interesting that we see those connections and that's always things we like to highlight as we go forward and kind of little tricks and ways that Disney saved money along the way. Now this movie has a couple of, uh, presences. This, this movie has a presence in in the parks. Do you know them? I don't know that I do. So the headless horseman appears during, he, he's, he's come and gone. At certain times during Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween. Oh, okay. And so he's a he's a character who will ride through before the parade, and it's a headless guy with a horseman and a jack o' lantern that has like a light that goes in it. Yeah. And I'll post some videos of that. He's pretty. The fact that they just have a guy who, you know, it seems like they can't see where they're going on a real horse. Looks yeah. A little little crazy. Uh huh. The other one is there's a Sleepy Hollow uh, restaurant. Oh, fun! And Walt is Disney this? World. Oh, this is in Disney World. I believe. I think that's correct. And uh, yeah, it's it's inspired by the film. The exterior of the restaurant is a replica of Sunnyside, Washington Irving's Dutch-style mansion on the Hudson River oh, in Terrytown, New York. Fun. Would you like to know some of the things they serve there? I would love to know. They have a fresh fruit waffle sandwich, which is served with chocolate sorry, chocolate hazelnut sauce. Oh, so like spread. Nutella. Yeah, yeah, so it's Nutella and it's another thing. It's a lot of uh, waffle-like sandwiches. Huh. There's a sweet and spicy chicken waffle sandwich. Hand-dipped corn dog. There's the Mickey waffle, which I'm assuming is a waffle with... Uh, Mickey's face. Well, it's probably three waffles, right? Oh, yeah. And a pretzel dog. So it's a lot of pretzel and waffle things, which I think is kind of the Dutch influence. That's up my alley. I'd yeah. be into eating I just thought that sounded pretty good. That's great. So, guys, if you've been to Sleepy Hall Restaurant, let, give, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you ordered and what you liked about it. Post any pictures on the Facebook page. Absolutely. Uh, I've been really loving the engagement. Uh, we recently announced... Uh, for those of you who might not be on the Facebook page, that we are adding The Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. to our list because it isn't uh, an animated classic of Disney's, but it is very influential and very important. So we decided to include it in our list. And we've gotten lots of pictures of um, fans of the podcast, either at Disney World with the characters, Jack and Sally, and then also dressing up and their kids dressing up. So it's been a lot of fun to see those pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to mention here is that the Headless Horseman, the character itself is fictional. However, it has mythological roots in English, Irish, German, and Scandinavian folklore. So I thought you'd be interested in that because you Yeah, love, you're speaking my language. Yeah, you love that. So I don't have any more on that, but I thought you might do a deep dive at some point. On, I'll have to. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, that. so uh, apparently roots of this character are in a lot of their different folklores now i will tell you there's a couple other uh movie versions there was the show sleepy hollow which i heard had a great first season and then dove like yeah. had a really big nosedive there was the movie with christina ricci and johnny depp yes. where christopher walken was the the hessian horseman who yes was the... well and that's the original yes yeah um and then boy this just popped in there so i haven't done a lot of research on this but there was a the real Ghostbusters episode, if I recall correctly, <laughs> where there was a 
headless horseman, but he rode a motorcycle uh-huh. and he was chasing people towards the Brooklyn Bridge. But then if they crossed the Brooklyn Bridge, they were fine. And I bet I could find that whole episode that's on YouTube. Great. So I'm going to give that a shot. I just, I just remembered that right now. Yeah, uh, that's really great. So I really, I have like a couple more facts that I guess we'll include here. Mm -hmm. And then do you have anything else? No, other than I really, I remember very much liking this because it's very spooky and it's a Halloween one. Yeah. So the only other things that I really wanted to highlight here is that uh, it debuted on Disney Home Video in VHS in 1983. And it was a compilation, Disney Scary Tales. Hmm. So for those of you who might be around my age or Ryan's age, you might recall that. I don't recall having... Disney's Scary Tales on VHS, but um, some of you out there might. So I wanted to mention that. It also won a Golden Globe in 1950 for Best Cinematography-Color, is was the award title. So I guess they Did were... Did they have like a they, color and a black and they white They must section? have. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of research on it, but it specifically mentioned cinematography color. So. Hey, uh, if, if listener uh, Laurel is out there, who I know is a big uh, yes. awards season fan, get back at us and let us know if you know about the Golden Globes. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention, I'm not sure if you came across this, uh, but the original title for this was Two Fabulous Characters. Yes, I forgot. And yeah. the only reason that their stories are linked together is because the main characters are prone to disaster. So <laughs> yeah, I can I relate that. to that. I can relate to <laughs> not necessarily disaster, but clumsiness and like things going awry. Uh, and so that's essentially these two main characters. So uh, I know I'm really looking forward to to watching it and it sounds like you are too yep, i'm excited so let's let's stop delaying and let's go grab the vhs and shove it in the old vcr all right listeners and we'll see you on the other side all right we're back so what did you think well, uh, I, I loved Ichabod. I, I remember loving Ichabod. There were a lot of scenes I didn't remember. I, I have a lot of notes on The Wind in the Willows, but I got to be honest, I, I, could t- I could take it or leave it. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way, and I'm sure there are listeners screaming at us right now. I think it all... <laughs> because I do think it depends a little bit on nostalgia, right? I never grew up watching Mr. Toad, and I wonder if I did, if I would have a different connection to it. I guess, too. I... I hated most of the characters in it. One of the notes I wrote during it was, uh, so I hate Rat and Toad. Like, it's, you know what? Take it away with the story right, and we'll, and I'll and point out the, the moments because it's pretty clear in my mind when I was like, I don't like this character. I don't Got like it. what he did here. So it opens to a library and bookshelves and it feels live action in this sense. It's not. I don't No, think. no, no. Those are live or action. Is it? Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are actual books. But it had a weird like stop motion feel to it because you don't see like a hand grab the book. Yeah, and take the book out. just kind of comes out of the bookshelf. But uh, the narrator mentions Robin Hood and King Arthur, which mm-hmm. later go on to be Disney movies. So I always forget that's King a Arthur nod, is sort in the yes. stone. Uh, and then they pull out the Wind and the Willows book uh, with illustrations of Toad. So you open the book and you see a couple pictures of Toad uh, and what he looks like, and that's how you're introduced to each character. 
So uh, you're first introduced to Mole meeting with Rat for tea. Okay, so the character, one character that I loved throughout this whole story was Mole. Mole was delightful. Yeah. There's a lot of, I wrote, there's a lot of poo in Mole. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, and there's a lot of heart in yeah. Mole. He's very caring. Very, very nice, very, seemed like he sought out the best in everyone. Just, yeah. I loved Mole. And uh, as they're sitting down for tea, the tallest postman, because it's, a human yes. in the world with the animals. And I kind of loved how they did that. The postman knocks on Rat's door to deliver a letter. And he's so tall, you barely... I don't even know that you see his face. You see his legs. You see his face when he, like, bends down to yeah. talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I liked that bit. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this. There's a weird situation where it's, like, this world where it was both humans and animals. And it felt like the whole reason... That the other animals were so invested in Toad Hall as it made their little riverside community, which felt like all animals, more prestigious. Yeah, and maybe more even with the humans. And there was also this, yeah, and there was also this weird thing of like Toad, like horse was an animal, was Cyril Proudbottom. Cyril, yeah. Was, was a horse, but he was like, worked as a horse for half of it, but then he had a suit on late, like... It was just a weird thing of, of the animals. And then Winky was a human, but Winky was as small as the rest of the... Yes, that I noticed. The postman was really the only tall human. I, I think they no, they seemed tall well, I guess in, the, in the, court the court room. Yeah, but also they were looming because... But we'll get to the court. <sighs> the whole thing was just this weird... I'm like, what is the what is the story of this world? Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you're looking at it from that way, yeah, and how they all interact. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, the postman delivers this letter, and McBadger lets them know that Toad is up to no good again. And now we go on to Toad Hall, and you see McBadger had uh, volunteered at putting Toad's house in order. So Toad has Toad Hall, and it's this huge estate. And he's just spending all this money, but he's also, like, is destructing things. Like, he's ruining chicken coops and, like, all this other stuff. Um, they have a scene where the, 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 the people who are collecting the money Yes, all come. the bill collectors come knocking and like and, trying to bang the door down. And McBadger goes, I'm done paying you for the day. Oh, what a world. What a fictional world they yeah. live in where you can just say, I'm done paying my bills today. I'll get to it another yeah, time. Yeah, I think he was just overwhelmed. Yeah, but, but it's just, I just thought that was an interesting. Yeah. And so Rat and Mole set out to try to help McBadger. So essentially they try to find Toad and McBadger's like, you know, you're good friends of Toad's. You have to like talk him out of this and tell him he's got to stop what he's doing because we're going to lose Toad Hall. And, you know, everything's kind of kind of a mess. So then we uh, see Toad for the first time besides the illustrations in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we see Toad on a yellow canary cart with a horse who's Cyril. And Cyril... Has a similar personality to, uh, is it Widowmaker? Yes. Yeah, well, to Pecos Bill's yeah. horse. He looks similar to him. And he speaks English, but he's got this real, like, rough and tumble kind of, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Carefree. He, he seemed lower on the, like, economic status of, like, kind of British people. I, boy, that's a bad way of putting it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he seemed like he was, like, like, like. Arthur Doolittle from uh, he wasn't, My he Fair wasn't Lady. In, yeah, he wasn't like in the higher class. High society. The, yeah, like high the other society. Seem yeah. To be. Uh, and so you find out that they're really fast friends, but they get each other in trouble. The right. horse and toad. Because uh, they kind of egg each other on. So the a song starts coming in and they start kind of singing about how Toad is so adventurous and just wants to go on all these adventures, but he's causing havoc. As well as the adventures, like he goes through a greenhouse and destroys yes. it. And he goes through someone's laundry hanging up. 
So you see, like, McBadger is paying the bills for all of those things, mm-hmm. as well as the things that Toad buys when he gets into his new mania. And he was very manic. He was, like, the definition of manic. Like, super highs and super lows. Uh, mostly highs, but he did have a few lows in this. This is when I immediately was like, I hate this character, because he doesn't seem to care about anything. And it's like, uh, I, my immediate thought was, and I forgot that the whole point of this was, He's in jail for a bit. And I go, oh, he should be locked away. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also showing you. I think it's also showing you somebody who is manic, who when they get these ideas in their head, they're very passionate about these ideas. And I think that it's a little bit true to real life. If you've got somebody who's got like manic episodes. I but know this I'm person was a also place, yes, but this but, person was also rich and was in this world kind of allowed to do whatever he wanted to because he's rich. I guess so. In yeah. real life, I don't think you that person should be allowed to do all those. But I, I guess that's true, and I guess I I mean I don't know. I, I feel like there's a couple different ways to look at it, but also they were trying to rein him in, but they couldn't because his mania was kind of over the top. It but. just took a long time in this story to get to a part of Toad that I found in, redeeming or endearing. But his mania is what redeemed him. Him being manic when when we talk about it later, like I wrote that down like it finally served him good. I guess I didn't care for him and then I didn't care when he gets stopped by Mole and Rat and Rat's like you're hanging around with this this terrible person. Stop this foolishness. This fo- yeah. He's talking specifically about the horse. Yes. And I'm like you've known this horse for like 2 seconds, buddy. Like give yeah. him a break and the horse ends up like helping him later. It's yeah, what I did Ugh. like about that part, though, is as Rat is kind of reprimanding him and scolding him and telling him what he should and shouldn't be doing, Toad covers his ears, and every time his ears are covered, the sound's muffled, which there's I really a, liked. There's and a lot then, of fun sound stuff yeah, in this whole thing. And then when he takes his hands off his ears, then you can hear it again, and he keeps doing that back and forth, so you really pick up on the sound changing. So I'm I did gonna, like that a lot. I'm going to look up something real quick. Do, okay. Do toads have ears? Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was saying that. Uh, so then he sees a motor car during all of this, and he becomes mesmerized, and he gets these crazy eyes, and that's when his mani- mania takes over. Do the, toads have ears? The first sentence says, literally, another cool fact about frogs and toads is that they have ears. Well, there you go. They just don't have external lobes. There you go. So he was covering yes. holes in his head for ears. Uh, so... So yeah, he gets the crazy eyes and he gets now motor mania, as Rat deems it. And so uh, he is like sputtering around in the air uh, off of all this energy, like dreaming of himself in a motor car. And Rat and Mole are basically trying to just keep him under control. And they take him back to Toad Hall he's, to lock him up. He's making wonderful, like it's, sputtering, it's clearly yes. the, the actor, but it's like... It's almost like beatboxing, yeah, <laughs> like, but, it's but it's like it's, the sputtering it's, of a motor car. Oh, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, it was really good. Yes. Uh, and so when they try to lock him up, they say till the poison is out of him. And I don't know that I loved that description uh, of saying like somebody who's manic that poison needs to be out of them. I, I don't. I wasn't a huge fan of that line, uh, but that also could be my background as to why I didn't like that line. But they. They don't think about the fact that Toad has a window. So they've locked him up. They've, they're they sitting, you know, at each side of the door, uh, Rat and Mole. But Toad is clever and he ties some sheets together and goes out the window. And so at night, 
uh, we find out that he's arrested for stealing a motor car. And you see all these newspaper headlines that say that Toad has been arrested. And then the next scene is him in court. And it starts with the prosecutor, I guess. Well, it's the, British the, court. The so it's, crown yes. representative or something yeah. like that. And, and they're all wearing those, like, British... The wigs. The yeah, wigs and the, the black wigs. robes. Uh, and so it starts, he puts uh, Rat and Mole have to testify. McBadger has to testify about how he cut off his allowance. And, you know, he's basically bringing up all his friends to testify to say, like, he was out of control. Like, you locked him up the night before. And Toad is very smug during all of this. Like, every time that they cut to Toad... And spoiler, you find out later that Toad is actually innocent. So I guess his smugness makes sense. But at this point, if you hadn't seen it, you think he's stolen the car and you're wondering why he's so smug. Right. So uh, he winds up defending himself. He he brings the horse. Cyril gets on the stand. This is where Cyril's in a suit mm-hmm. and wearing a hat. And he tells what actually happened that night. How Toad uh, meets up with Cyril and how they see this red motor car that like putters on past them. I and, thought it was funny when they meet up. It's not Toad riding Cyril like they're walking next yes, to each other yeah, down and the street. Cyril is equals. walking on two legs yes. too. Yeah. Uh, and they really are very close friends. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of feed into each other's uh, energy for better or for worse. I don't, I, at the beginning I was like, is Cyril taking advantage of him? But he testifies in his favor in the court. Later he helps him escape yeah. jail. Spoiler alert. I think he is, he's one of those friends who, you have friends who encourage your crazier ideas or your decisions that maybe you're nervous to do, but yeah. that friend is like, oh yeah, let's just do it. But I also right? still think he was a good character because he was still interested in helping Toad. He wasn't like, oh, Toad's in trouble, I'm out. Like, Yes, you know. I agree with that. But I think, yeah, they encouraged each other, again, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. I guess. So they see this red motor car and Toad is like, I absolutely have to have it. And he's in like his nightgown. So he's like, <laughs> so he... They see that a couple weasels get out and they go into this tavern and they're kind of watching what's happening. And then as Toad sees the car, the car's still running. And this is the first time he breathes in the exhaust. Oh, yeah. This is so we talk a lot about parents letting your kids watch these kids don't sniff tailpipes. Yeah. He like (laughs) breathes in the exhaust and like is kind of getting those crazy eyes a little bit again. Not not the the different colors and swirls in his eyeballs just yet. But he saunters in and he asks, the, who's the owner of the car? And uh, Mr. Winky is kind of the tavern owner or the bartender there. And so uh, he says, I'm the owner of the car. And they make a trade for the car and Toad Hall. But what Toad doesn't know is the weasels stole the car. So yeah. it's a stolen car. Uh, so they don't own it. So that is how Toad comes to, quote unquote, steal this car. And they call Winky to the stand. And yeah. Toad is like putting on his hat and his coat and is like, go Walking ahead and tell them the what happened. He's yeah. out the door almost. Yeah. Like, you tried to sell me a stolen car. And Toad is so surprised that he lied. And well, we don't know that he lied, but toad is very upset and all the newspaper oh go ahead well i did want to point out that immediately the human is believed and it kind of sets up this strange to me this this backstory of like the reason they want this prestigious area is 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 the the animals are always trying to feel as good as the humans and in court the second a human testifies one thing they just dismiss the horse's testimony and all this it's just an interesting world that was created yeah and an interesting thought to have 
Uh, and so then again, we see all the newspaper headlines saying that Toad is guilty and that he is going to be locked up. And then the next scene, well, it's... can I hop in real quick? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to talk a little bit about, so this scene is in the ride. Okay. Yeah, near With the, the ride. newspaper headlines? So the, the ride or? seems to be, you're in a car, you're towed, and you're driving around. And, and now does crazy. the ride still exist in Disneyland? Yes. It I'm, is It is one of the few rides that was open on opening day and is still open, although it's a, it's a different version than it was So it's an day. updated version, it, but... Well, updated like 1983. Got it. But, but it does not exist in Disney World anymore. They took it out, right? I don't... I'm not sure about that. We'll I'm, have to take a look. You're pro- you could be right. We'll have to look it up. And listeners, if you know, of course, you can email us or shoot us a message on the Facebook group. But so you go through the ride and you're going through the countryside and people are like, look out. You're missing trains and this, that. And then you yeah. go to the courtroom and they're like, guilty. And then you go to the next room and you're sent to hell. Yes, that I... Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, I'm like, what is this? You go through and there's fire and there's the same... There's the, the, the prosecutor, but he's got horns. He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And there's like a dragon thing. And then you're done. That's yeah, the that's end of how the ride. it ends. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did know it ended very like fire and brimstone. We on may. The ride. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry so, to, to do that. No, so they go through fine. all the uh, newspaper so the headlines. Newspaper headlines. And then the next scene, it was an interesting cut. All of a sudden, we just see snow falling. Like you're seeing snow falling on the town. And the narrator says it's another white Christmas. And you see that Toad is locked up in this tower in this big prison complex. For I think it's the Tower of London. Yeah, it might have been. Um, But this big, like, stone castle. Looming large over the whole city. Yeah. And so Toad is now so sad and he's crying into this big puddle of tears. Like, his tears are dropping and making the puddle bigger. And he's reflecting on his friends. And realizing he took them for granted and realizing, you know, all of their good qualities. And I agree with you. I don't know that he fully There's he no... fully comes to this point because yes. he goes back to his old ways very quickly. But in this moment, he's very focused on, like, all the good that they were trying to do to help him and how he didn't listen. And so he, they, the narrator says he's reformed and he's repentant. And so you see that he's got this ball in this chain and he's just very sad because he's going to be there for many years. And then all of a sudden a guard opens the door and says, well, it's Christmas. So I guess you can have a visitor and your, your grandmother's here. here. And he's like, grandma. And you see the horse, which I loved, is dressed up like a grandma and brought a small disguise for Toad. So here's my question, because he says something about the disguise and they cut to Toad having escaped. Yes. How did that work? Because we don't see Cyril for the rest of the movie. Was the idea he? We came... do see Cyril, I think, again at the end. But oh, he's in the yeah, yeah, the very end. But we don't see him after that, and it's the exact same outfit, only Toad size that yeah. Cyril came in. in. Was the idea he went in and goes and gave him the outfit, and then Toad went guards, I'm done, and pretended to be the same grandmother leaving. I don't what know. That's a there? good question. Or maybe he put Toad threw him out the window again. <laughs> Maybe, or maybe he put Toad, like, in his jacket, and so the disguise was more so once he got out of the... But then he abandoned Toad, like, they separated or something. Yeah. Again, there's a big, like, piece missing, because then we just cut to Toad on as a fugitive. On the move, yeah, that's true. I need a man in every hen house, outhouse, bar. Yes, Tommy Lee, fugitive. <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, but, yeah, so as the horse is talking about how he should escape, and he brought this disguise for him, now Toad has a new mania. So he falls escape. back into this mania, and that's trying to escape. And so he gets the crazy eyes again that he got with the motor mania. 
And so cops and dogs are chasing him and cops are seeing him. And then this one cop runs into him and he's got a really round rump, for lack of a better word. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, m'lady, or something like that. And Toad is like swinging his... Toad has the round rump, yeah. Yes, Toad is swinging his rump a little bit. And then you realize it's the ball from the ball and the chain. Well, I literally turned to you to say... What is, what is that? <laughs> yeah, and then it falls out of his dress and the cop realizes it's Toad and tries to come after him. And so then Toad steals the train and uh, he sniffs the exhaust again when he gets the train. He's got a weird thing for exhaust. And then, I guess it's part of his mania, I don't know. But then the cops are shooting on the train behind him. They get on the next train and like guns are blazing. They're trying to get Toad. And he jumps off the train into the water and kind of fakes out the cops. So mm-hmm. the cops still think he's on the train. And he's trying to, like, grab a branch, and he keeps sinking from the ball and chain. So we don't really know, at this point, is he going to get out of the water or not. And then it cuts back to Rat and Mole. And they're having a Christmas Eve dinner, and they've got a big turkey on the table. They say a blessing about Toad. About Toad, and they hope that, you know, he's doing well, and that he'll get out early for good behavior. And then Toad shows up. And they're surprised. Well, first they're like, this poor old woman has collapsed yes, in our doorstep. Yeah, yeah. First they think he's, <laughs> he's an old woman, and then they realize it's Toad. And, you know, they're excited to see him, but they're confused, and they're not really sure what all's going on. And then a bunch of knocking at the door, and they think it's the police. So Toad hides, and it's Mac Badger. And Mac Badger comes in to say, all the weasels are in Toad's hall. Toad Hall. I saw these lights on. And the weasels are there. So this is the weird part to me because it seems like we'll go get the police and show them that the weasels are there. Like, it could because the whole... the whole Well, all the newspaper articles, I guess, they deemed the case was closed. Like, that, he okay, had done... Remember, he had, they had said something like he had gone to different appeals, different courts, different whatever. And the last newspaper headline was, the case of Toad is closed. So but I it, think they felt like they didn't, they had to have actual proof, which I guess the weasels okay. there is proof, but definitive it's just, proof, it's I just, guess. There's a lot of like leaps that, I don't know. I, I, let's continue. <laughs> so he says all the weasels are there and he, he's like, you know, Mr. Winky is their leader and it is true. Toad did do a trade. And so Rat apologizes to Toad because he's like, I'm so sorry, because he didn't believe that that's what happened. And so they're all kind of on Toad's side and they're like, we have to get the deed back. So they devise this plan to get the deed back that Mr. Winky is like holding in his jacket pocket. And so there is like kind of a secret passage. Like there's a tunnel. They go up, they, they row in, they go up to a secret passage because it's, there's some things in this that I really, I remember this scene very vividly. They open the door, all the, the weasels are drunk well, and we should say before that, that one weasel thinks he sees them yes. on the water and Toad gets his kind of that his manic energy and tries to shoot him with the shotgun and they all tackle Toad and the shotgun, uh, the force of it pushes the boat into where they need to go. So the weasel doesn't see him, but that weasel comes back into play yeah. in a little bit. Well, because they, they're all passed out. Winky is asleep. He's got the deed on him and they go up to a balcony and they start lowering mole down on a, on a rope. To get the deed looks out. like sheets tied, similar yeah. to how Toad escaped. And around that whole time, the weasel is like finding their trail and making yeah. his way in. Um, there's the whole bit that they have in a bunch of movies where uh, Mole tries to get the deed, but then Winky like rolls, rolls over. over and grabs yeah, him. I like that he tickled his ear yes. to get him out from 
how he was holding him. And I also liked there were so many weasels and they were like scattered about. I liked the way that they were just like all passed out. One of them was asleep half in the mouth of like a bearskin rug. Yeah, yeah. The, I loved that whole bit. So then um, basically the weasel that's been following them and realizes that there's somebody in the house comes through the secret passage and kind of lets everybody know what's going on. And so then uh, the weasels start to chase Mole because Mole has the deed at first. There's this entire mad it's cat a whole, back and yeah. forth. There's a couple funny scenes I liked in there. The, the one being where uh, Toad figures out he can, like, someone folds up the, the deed into a paper airplane and throws it. So then Toad and throws goes, it to Toad. Yes. Yeah. And then Toad goes and gets a whole bunch of other pieces of paper and makes all these yeah. paper airplanes and starts throwing them. And you're starting to see Toad's manic energy pay off here. Like, yeah. even though he's causing havoc, he's causing havoc for the bad guys, essentially, and trying to save his friends mm-hmm. uh, through this. And so, yeah, so they get confused. All the weasels and Mr. Winky keeps grabbing an airplane thinking it's the deed and it's just a random piece of paper. Mr. Winky is just such a horrible name. Yeah, <laughs> and it. then they uh, they go back through the trap door and there's this whole bit. Uh, you see this in a lot of different movies and I think they did it in Young Frankenstein and Indiana Jones. Yeah, I was going to say and, they do it in, in Last yeah, Crusade. Yeah, where it's like two people are on the right side of the door and then it flips and then you lose the other one and then it flips again. And so that happens yeah. a couple times and then they all finally are together. And, uh, McBadger's like, at least, you know, we got out by like the skin of our teeth or something like mm-hmm. that. He says, uh, but I, I'm so sorry we didn't get the deed. And then Toad reaches in his jacket pocket and you realize that Toad did get the deed. And so they cheers to Toad and Auld Lang Syne plays, which I'm assuming cause it's the new year. Cause I it was Christmas. That. Yeah. That song plays, uh, and they're in Toad Hall and they look out and Toad has a new mania and he's flying an airplane with Sarah. Like a Wright Brothers Yeah, like a Wright, yeah, Wright Brothers uh, era plane with Cyril the horse. Yes. So uh, they kind of fly off into the sunset, essentially. Let's, let's real quick do our thing just for this one. Yeah, sure. Um, what did you think of the princess, who I believe in this case was Mr. Toad? He was interesting. Uh... I didn't care for. Yeah, I know you didn't care for him. I I wish we would have saw him be a little bit more redeemed. Like yes. I wish we would have seen he had that scene in the tower, but I wish he took it to heart more. I will say his mania helped him out. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, why should I change? Because I was mm-hmm. able to save all my friends. So it's an interesting back and forth, I think. Both of these movies, I think, are ripe for to be redone somehow whether it's live action or just another version of them um because i don't think there's much there i think it's so short i think you could really dive into these characters if they had and do them separately yeah 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 yeah, that's what i mean not Mm -hmm. like just redo ichabod and mr toe but do a wind in the willows do a A feature film for each of them um what did you think of the villain which is mr winky and the weasels I the weasels were great because they reminded me of the weasels we'll see later right but i think them on their own were yeah, no, they didn't really have, they didn't really talk. They didn't, they more were reminiscent because I was remembering yeah. them from other things. And Mr. Winky was. No, he dumb. was, yeah. Uh, how were the sidekicks? I loved Mole. Mole was wonderful. Yeah, and I think, I know you didn't like Rat, but I think Rat is kind of like when you think of Winnie the Pooh he and comes the around. rabbit. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, like yeah. the rabbit. And he kind of has a very similar, I liked all of their character design. Yeah, and Mac Badger too. I feel like they all are just. They're trying to do right by Toad and the community, 
and they're trying to like their toad is his friend or their friend but he's also like making their lives difficult so they're but, trying to and and you've got mole who's got the big heart but then you've got rat who's kind of the disciplinarian like mcbadger asks rat right. specifically to talk to toad the difference to me between rat and mcbadger is mcbadger seemed put upon and tired and rat felt judgmental that was my problem yes and I, but i and think rat comes rat, around. yeah he comes around and he does apologize when he realizes you know he should have had more faith in toad that he didn't just steal a car and that kind of a thing favorite musical number in this one there was really only the one yeah there's the one where he's singing i don't know the name of the song it's like i i don't know either it was, but he so. when he when he's introduced when toad is introduced he's singing yeah, it was um fine. it was fine um how does it hold up female character agency there are no women in this in this one no there are none not. at all not even background it is do it is a yeah party. well because we don't see besides the weasels and our main characters we don't even really see other animals and yeah. the, they talk about like toad hall mm-hmm. being but they we never see any other kinds of animals drinking and smoking not a lot of not a lot of smoking that i remember oh i guess rat puffed a pipe but there's yeah a lot of i guess that's it there was a warning for tobacco consumption but i think that was for the whole thing it was probably for the whole thing but i'll be honest that to- i never really noticed the tobacco no. uh, oh i guess her father in the second one also yeah. smokes a pipe but yeah they wake they're all drunk and they're all asleep at one point and they mentioned that that wasn't so much a problem to me the big thing of this one is there's a lot of weaponry and a lot of like yeah. trying to murder people yeah and, like and again a lot of that that mania and i don't know I'm maybe I'm taking a therapist point of view on it, but I don't know how I want to say this or if I'm even saying it correctly, but they kind of focus on the mania being super negative and then they kind of focus on it being positive, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I guarantee mean, you a lot of thought was not put into this. Yeah. Aspect but do you know what I mean? I, I wish if they did redo it, I yeah. wish they went into that more to where it wasn't one or the other to where it's like you know like talk about it from a mental health point of view yeah and and that's me like being very that's me with a very critical eye on it but yeah i think that's where it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit the again like i said that line with um wait till the poison is out of him was i really didn't care for we'll we'll skip the did you like it or not thing till the end so now now let's go on to sleepy hollow sleepy hollow which i will say both ryan and i um this one i remember from a being yep. a child and I, have a I know lot of we fun both memories. enjoy it now it's interesting that this is this is one movie with two different holidays it's a yeah halloween and a christmas and christmas uh so we go back to the library so we're back to the live action with the bookshelves and, and we now trade you hear the the, the sherlock holmesian narrator for a little more bassy tones yes for our, a little more friend, uh Bing crosby the original crooner <laughs> uh so we go back to the library and the bookshelves and he mentions Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed and all of these characters and some which we've talked about. Black Bart was one he said who is not a character I'm familiar with. Yeah, we'll have to look him up. But yeah, he talks about all these kind of American folklore mm-hmm. type characters and he says, but there's one that I really enjoy. And he opens this book to a map of New York and you kind of, as you're zooming in, first it's a map and then it's like a countryside. Mm-hmm. And you're zooming in and you see a sequestered glen and a cemetery. And a sequestered glen. Does it say that? Or yeah. Say yeah. That? No, oh, okay. no, no, no. I wrote that down. <laughs> I, like, I sometimes write down phrases that I like the way that they're described. Sequestered glen. Oh, we've got a good one coming up because we go into the town to see all the, the Sleepy Hollow gang waiting outside yes. of... 
So the schoolmaster, uh, first we see, we come upon Wait, Ichabod what, for that. We'll go back to that, but okay. what's the name of the place where they're all hanging? Ye old snooker and schnapps shop. Which is like a pool hall. It's a I weird guess, way of saying pool yeah. hall, but schnooker and schnapps. And schnapps. So I ridiculous. really liked it. Yeah, so that sign. So before we see that Sorry. sign, no, that's fine. We see Ichabod. And um, I loved his shadow. His shadow is like even larger than he is. And he's got a nose in his in a book. And he's walking to this town to become the new schoolmaster of the town. So one of the things they say about him here is that uh, Bing says, I'm, you know, my good buddy Bing. Yeah. He says, uh, you know, he would have mistaken him for a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. So something that was interesting is that's the same description they have of him in the book, apparently, the story a lot. And just to just uh, something to point out, there's a character in Batman named the Scarecrow whose real name is Jonathan Crane, and so there's some ideas that he's, that he's kind of based, based off, off of. I, I, I had ways. read that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, it's always interesting where people's influences lie. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a connection there. Uh, so then, yeah, you see the Sleepy Hollow Boys, and then they introduce Brom. Brom Bones. Brom Bones, who is. The spitting image of Gaston, or I should say Gaston is his spitting image since he's He we're gonna talk so about this some before. more, but like this whole section, there's a lot of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast pulled from this. Yeah. I'm sure because uh I almost called him Gaston. Brahm uh has beer and he's passing out beer for all the sleepy hollow boys and he cracks open the barrel so the horse he was riding on can drink as well, and which I thought was funny. He's super tough and masculine and, and the town and loves he's him. Wearing like the, the raccoon ra- raccoon. 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 But the the cap that the uh, raccoon skin hat. Yeah, Frontiersmen wear and he's I'm wearing call them one a of raccoon those from now on. raccoons. Raccoons. Uh and so they're all kind of like carrying on and having a good time and then Ichabod walks into the town and everyone is spooked by him. Granted, he's tall and lanky and no one in that town has the physique of Ichabod. He's very weird. But otherwise, I'm like, I don't really know. reading a book. Yeah, I guess that's why they all think he's strange. But in the song that introduces Ichabod, the one uh, phrase that I liked was, you don't know if those are shovels or feet. Yes. Because his feet are so long. Um, but, but it felt very much like the beginning of, of Beauty, Beauty and, and the Beast, Beast of the Bonjour song. The town. Yeah. There were even shots that, like of a shopkeeper talking to someone and and he walked by the window. Walked by that, the window and a lady who had pies similar to the bread when mm-hmm. she talks to the baker. Uh, and the lady the has baguettes. Pa- yeah. Marie, the baguettes. Hurry up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it wasn't identical, but it was very reminiscent of mm-hmm. like a, and a very easy to make the comparison but yes. you know it wasn't you know it was pretty clear yeah, yeah, that yeah. they were similar uh so he walks through the town and then we go to the schoolroom where he's at and as he's teaching he like has like a a baton or a stick i guess it's not a stick i, I think it's something it's a switch i think it's to uh, hit yeah the children. it might be a switch but <laughs> because later yeah he looks like he's going to hit somebody with it yeah so he has this switch and he's just peeking in everybody's lunch pails and, and this I, is where the start of well we see him with the pie earlier yes but he helps the he woman had, with the pie and then he opens a book and the pie's and the pie in, is there. in there in his book so yeah this is where we start to see his fixation with really all kinds of food and he's always eating he's this very interesting character that like he seems very spin thrifty like you, later when he's getting ready for the party he uses like chalk to like 
do his yeah. thing. And he's very thrifty, but he's like, how can I get free meals? Yeah, how can I, yeah, how can I get food? Or how can I get somebody to cook for me, maybe? I don't know. In a, in a real, I think, endearing way. Yeah, like, so, and that goes into this next part. So after he's looked in the lunch pails, like, uh, kids are drawing him maybe like a chicken or something. A crane. A crane, yes. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, they're drawing him as a crane, and this is when he goes to almost hit them with the switch, and then he remembers that this kid's mom, like, makes... Well, really he opens that kid's uh, lunch lunchbox, pail. and it, like, cascading, like, treats and fruit and things come Yeah, so out of it. he, like, quickly remembers that, like, oh, I, I'll be nice to this child, and then I'll be invited over for a meal, and then it cuts... To him at the child's house having yes. this giant feast. Bing's doing a better job of like narrating this idea. And it's yes. kind of like that there's not a lot of dialogue, but it's like Bing's explaining stuff and they're doing yeah. very physical versions of what they're seeing. It's, exactly. it's, it's a very visual uh, cartoon. Yes. And so then when he goes back home and he's reading in bed, he reaches into his jacket pocket and he took a turkey leg home from where he ate with the family. He's not family. reading. He's journaling. Oh, that's right. Where he's eating that he's week. He's journaling, yeah, and his activities. <laughs> yeah, he's journaling and the, and and the like turkey roast was good. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then you see next on his calendar for the next day is the Coral Society, which he started. And, and that so, first note, so last night, listeners, we watched uh, Sister Act. We did. And that first note sounded a lot like... Kathy did. Well, the whole one, she goes, all right, let's hear what you guys sound like. And they're like, Bleh! like, that's what yes. it sounded like. Uh, so that's how they start. And he's playing piano. And then they actually sound really good. Yeah. They get them going pretty well, good. Not as good as Ichabod sounds. He's got that. I know he's got that that very smooth Bing Crosby voice, but <laughs> Brom Bones uh, wants to play a joke on him, so he gets a dog by the window that nobody can see, and so on one of the last notes, he has the dog howl, and then Ichabod thinks it was him who howled mm-hmm. at first, uh, and all the ladies like fawn and swoon. Well, they faint. They faint. Do they faint because they they seemed like happy before they fainted? It I was very know. confusing. It's a weird thing. And then he goes uh, and eats salad with a spoon. Yes, and then he pulls out <laughs> this giant scene. bowl of salad, and all the ladies have fainted. Um, and then Katrina comes in, and there's this whole scene with Katrina. She comes in with her father on a horse and cart, and they describe her that she's plump as a partridge, which yes. I thought was an interesting descriptor. Uh, and then because she wasn't. Uh, her well she's she seemed top healthy heavy. yes she's top heavy so i was curious is that what they were trying to describe which i was like oh, i don't love that but uh <laughs> but yeah she's very reminiscent as we said earlier of um slewfoot sue and and grace martin thank you i couldn't think of her name so then there's a song about katrina and describing her and who she is and her family with her father and all her suitors are following her yes and everyone in the town is so smitten by her and ichabod sees katrina and he has a a full turkey again it's a smaller one and he's with that one woman who keeps showing up the the short woman in the green dress with her the the hair hair done so yeah you just see one of her eyes so he's with her on a picnic. Who's not nearly as unattractive as they keep trying yes. to make her out to be. She's just uh, kind of quirky. I kind of like her. Yeah, we would uh, be friends. But yeah, <laughs> but he's on a picnic with her and then he has this small turkey or hen, I guess, because the turkeys are the big ones in this. Uh, yes, he's for got this, some cooked Yeah, he's got a bird. cooked bird. And all of a sudden he switches it with his hat and he puts the bird on he's, his head and he eats his hat. Yes, because he's so smitten with Katrina. Yeah, he's just like so head over heels in love with her. 
And so he's back in the schoolroom and you're seeing that all the kids are wild. Like before they were all well behaved, they were doing their work and everyone is just all over the place. And you see these gloved hands holding a book. So you think Ichabod's reading, but then it turns the corner and they're just gloves. His hands are not in them. And he's like slouched down behind the podium daydreaming over. over Katrina and dreaming of the farm her father has and yes. all the food that this he'd is, be able to have on this farm. This is the part where his intentions are really suspect. Yes. Because he Agreed. seems taken with her, but he also seems equally taken with the money the, the farm The money will the provide. farm will make as well as the food that is there for yes. him for the taking. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, a combination of now you're questioning, is he really in love with her? Because yes. say what you want about Brahm, but... He seems like he is genuinely smitten with her and the competition of wanting to beat out Ichabod for well, Katrina. Or, and we'll get into that. Not, in a, yeah, yes. Katrina's I, I think Brahm's just used to having his way because, like Gaston, he's big. He's, he's, and he's the he's, handsome one in the town. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think, well, let's get into that section because okay. that's coming up. So the other thing that was weird here when he's daydreaming is instead of like picking petals off a flower. Like he's she loves picking, me, she loves me not. He's picking feathers from a feather duster. I just think he just, had a feather duster. Yeah, it was just funny. Uh, so all the suitors are following her and then they all get scared away. Well, by they're Brom. all carrying her packages. Yes. She's doing shopping. And then Brahm's, Brahm? Brahm. Brahm scares them all away. And uh, he's kind of left in the dust after mm-hmm. he scares them away. And Ichabod comes in and just picks up all the packages. Ichabod is not affected by Brom. And that was one of the things I thought was interesting when earlier you said both of these characters, and we'll get into that in a little bit, both of these characters are prone to disaster. Ichabod seems immune to it. Yeah, like, Ichabod just seems to roll with it. Like, disaster is happening to him, but he's not making his life about it i guess he just kind of keeps rolling with the punches he also and it's his physicality as a cartoon like seems to change shape in order to like that scene later where he's coming in and out and he's just at the door like he doesn't he never is looking and it's i that's why i find him an endearing character because he's not like he's not brave he's not this he's just like he he knows how to get through life with like the bare minimum of change yeah well and he knows what he's good at (laughs) yes and so he focuses on that a little bit but yeah i do find that interesting that part of i think why brahm is so desperate to spook him later on and is so desperate and you know furious is because it's not bothering him yes not bothering because he won't just fight him yeah because brahm knows he'll win if they just fight exactly and yeah so i think that's part of it with trying to win katrina's hand that's this whole scene is a bunch of different things yeah it's a whole we can kind of um, go through it fast scene of everybody kind of going back and forth and at one point ichabod puts he's walking with katrina he puts his jacket down over a puddle like a very god this part uh gentlemanly thing to do and then Brom comes and splashes them with the horse and like everybody gets wet and then he takes her and they ride off and then you see Ichabod just follows them but that's not what happens first Katrina pulls like a favor oh that's right I did write that down her in between her a handkerchief from her cleavage from her bosom and she tosses it to Ichabod as he's all muddy and wet kind of like a signal to be like I'm still thinking of you yeah because and that's my other question is Katrina really interested in Ichabod or is she, she kind of to stir the pot I, I think I think she's just kind of like this is too easy for Brahm I need this to be harder for him yeah I just think she likes to stir the pot and she likes she, it's very clear that she enjoys the attention that she's yes. getting from everyone not just Ichabod yes. and Brahm so, because you see that later with the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, so she throws him this favor from 
her cleavage. Yeah. And he takes, I mean, the guy's nose is a mile wide. I mean, it's his number one thing, but he takes a huge whiff of it. And I was like, there's some space between those two things. And I yeah. go, wait, did that come from, and then I'm like, this is a little, I don't but know how I feel I guess about you this. Could, I guess you could say he was smelling the perfume. That's what I was thinking. But... Is this probably, I don't know the history of that kind of like giving a, a gentleman your favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, if it was a perfumed handkerchief but still it was kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah so then uh this just keeps going back and forth with him and braun but then ichabod is whistling and skipping and like he winds up going to the house where she's at and so braum is there and then he winds up getting in the house and leaving braum out and he's like helping her and giving her flowers he does stuff like he gives braum all the packages so that he can't punch him yeah like there's a scene where he was winding up looks about to punch and that's ichabod's move is here you hold all the packages yeah and, and then closes doing, the door yeah. on braum's face and so it's like this whole back and forth still with them it's hard to describe it's worth watching yes agreed yeah it's kind of hard to describe in detail at one point she gives him one of the flowers that he gave her he picked the bouquet out of a vase that's yes, in the house. Yes, he didn't buy her a bouquet. Yeah. It was already in the house. He's that sort of like, I'm very suave, but and it's clever. the cheapest. Yes, yes, it's clever. So he gives her the bouquet and she pulls out one of the flowers and puts it on his lapel and he's smelling it and kissing the flower, but all Brom can hear on the other side of the door is the kissing sound. So he <laughs> thinks that they're kissing. So then that like ensues the whole next scene where Ichabod gets real small when he goes out that farm it's, door. It, yeah, it's, it's a like, farm door, so it's got two versions. So Brahm's trying to open the top and the bottom swings open. And, and Ichabod, Ichabod's like... super tiny and waddles <laughs> out. And then that's again where he winds, to, winds up to punch him and he gets distracted and punches the tree because yes. Ichabod is left. So it's kind of this back and forth with him and Ichabod. Uh, and then, you know... He bends down and picks up a horseshoe, and it's like, oh, it's Ichabod's lucky day. And when he bends down, Brom misses him. He goes to hit him, and then Ichabod... falls in a well. Yeah, Ichabod tosses the horseshoe, and it hits Brom. Like, it's just... In this whole scene, it's almost like Ichabod can do no wrong, but he's just going... Like you said, he's going about his life. He's He's not intentionally. He's not intentionally thinking, oh, I need to throw the horseshoe at Brom. So uh, we cut to another scene, and now she invites him... Ichabod to her father's Halloween party and this is where I would say her intentions are not honest I think I think or maybe she's trying to decide and she doesn't know who she likes better but when she writes the note she's not she a signs, deep enough character I think for us to make yes, this evaluation when she writes the note she signs it in such a way that she knows Ichabod will come she says something like I she really says, want P.S. please come yes Katrina. yeah and so Ichabod's got the letter like up in the schoolhouse by the mirror. And this is when you and see again, him getting ready. Yeah. You see him getting ready and he's like, look at you, handsome devil or something like Those that. Those dulcet tones. Yeah. Uh, and he looks at himself in the mirror and this is where the chalk, which I think that would be the worst thing you'd want to put on your face is used chalk dust. But. There's a couple weird powder scenes uh, but in this, yeah, that he, and the pepper, the ones that confuse yeah, me. Yeah, so he puts the chalk dust on his face, he gets ready. As he's getting ready, they they make sure to mention that he had to borrow a horse. He didn't have a horse, so he borrows a horse. The horse with the plow still attached. Yeah, that's still attached. Obviously, it was a farmer's horse. And then kind of the next thing you see is him dancing with Katrina. And uh, Bing, the narrator, mentions that, you know, he prides himself on his dancing. So Ichabod, and you see that Ichabod's got immaculate, like his dancing skills are so good. And that's really how he's winning her over at this point in time. Well, it's, it's disturbing Braum because he apparently can't dance. Yeah. And Braum is pouting oh, essentially on the side. Yeah. On the sidelines sitting. And then that's where we see, uh, 
the does, other the does short that character have a name i don't think she does Should i called her? her the short margaret? girl yeah let's call her margaret i want to give her a name because i really like yeah. her but um the other thing i wanted to mention too before we get to margaret is ichabod is eating while dancing like he'll <laughs> go over to the table when he's dancing Smoothly. a piece of cake like a slice of cake and the whole slice of cake goes in his mouth like no one notices other than the uh audience yes so we are naming um short girl in green dress margaret okay so margaret is so excited like braun looks over at her and she's so excited to dance and he snubs her and i was really like bummed out for her because she just wants to dance with somebody it felt a little bit but like all the cats join in with the character they draw with their big butt and then he's like no yeah and then you know yeah and so well it's that trope of like the pretty girls are up dancing but the nerds or those who aren't as attractive aren't yeah. right like it's that kind of a thing whatever justice um, for margaret seriously dance, hashtag dance with margaret because she's great <laughs> so anyway um she gets bummed out by that and then all of a sudden brahm has this idea well if i dance with her i can swap her out for Katrina, and then I'll dance with Katrina, and then I'll I'll stick Ichabod with Margaret, essentially. And, yes, and the music of the time is kind of slow, just yeah. you know, nice soft dan- dance. And then he gets, and then he, he kind of slowly bows to Margaret, and then she like crashes into him, and is just going a million miles an hour dancing. Yeah, and then the music picks up, and everyone's doing like a fast dance. And Again, it's a very physical scene, like of like. Switching the girls back and forth between the two of them and another scene that is better if you watch it versus us sitting here and calling it play by play. I do like the bit where she is like will not let go of him. Like she's holding on to him so tight. Margaret is. He's switching her from one hand to the other Mm -hmm. and like try like it's like when you can't get something off your Yeah, she's just so excited to dance, she doesn't want to let him go. And so that whole scene happens and then at midnight, they talk about how uh, it's tradition to tell spooky and scary stories at this Halloween party. And so Ichabod is filling a tray up with all this food because I guess he's danced up an appetite. Uh, he's, <laughs> well, uh, I think he's and just he's always, always eating. Has one. <laughs> so he has this full tray of food and he sits down and Brahm's like, this is how I'm going to get him. Like, I he, know he's nervous. I know he's... He spills the salt. That's right. And he throws it over his shoulder and Brahm yeah. goes, he's superstitious. I, I know what to do. Yeah. So Which, this is where he tells the story of the Headless Horseman, and it really spooks Ichabod. He goes in to the whole description, and again, I think really you need to watch this versus mm-hmm. us describing each thing of him telling this story, but he essentially tells the story that Ichabod lives out that we see yes. in this next scene. So, But it's, the it's in my opinion, the best song in the whole thing. I, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite. It's a song I think that appears on my Halloween list. Yeah, it's a great song, the Headless Horseman song, and so you've got... Bing singing it as Brahm, which is kind of fun. And uh, he's telling this whole story. And Katrina is laughing. Whenever they scare Ichabod. Ichabod, which I don't love. But yeah, it's just like Ichabod's scared and she's kind of laughing at him. It's not. If she had more of a personality, I might think she's mean. Yeah. <laughs> and then the townspeople aren't really laughing, but they're all like joyful kind of talking. Yeah, about they're it. all enjoying this yeah. song. And then Ichabod rightfully is scared. And but sweating. He, he, sweating yes, the whole time. Because he has to, to ride home, as we see later. The exact way. And there's no light. Remember, this is before electricity. He yeah. doesn't have a torch. He's, He's got to ride moonlight. home the exact way that the story starts. Which, again, Brahm did on purpose. 
And this scene is is done. The the, the sound so design where he's like kind of whistling to show he's brave is very good. Yeah. All the all the creatures are doing noises that sound like headless horsemen or like watch yeah. out, watch out, like weird stuff. They use the uh, the multiplane camera. It looks like instead of like having you go into it, they make it seem like the forest is, is closing, closing in around him. him. Yeah. They have that hand. The the the. The cloud that looks like a hand going over the moon, which is a, a visual I, I remember very distinctly. Yeah, from, from you really, I wrote here, you feel how nervous he is. Like, yeah. you are in, you are anxious with him, and I can understand why this scares children, this mm-hmm. whole next part. Oh, um, it made me anxious. Like, yeah, just watching it now, exactly. Like, this is... Me too. Like, you're very nervous for Ichabod, and even though we kind of know what happens in the story, you're so nervous for him. But the wind spooks him, as Ryan said. There's the spooky tree that winds up uh, their glowing eyes that with their fireflies. That was a cool visual. Yeah, that was a really cool visual. Then the crickets and the owls and the frogs are some of the animals that are all saying different things. They're saying headless horsemen. Uh, I think the crows are saying beware as they yes. fly by. Uh, and, uh, and so all of these different sounds are happening. And so... He's trying to ride faster and faster with the horse. And at one point, he thinks he's riding really fast, but the horse is sitting on a tombstone. Yes. And Well, I just want to point out, the horse could care less. Yeah, the horse really Couldn't doesn't care, care at this point. And then is asleep. Like, basically yeah. passes out and goes to sleep. And that's when Ichabod realizes he's hearing hooves, like a horse running. But it's not his horse, because his horse is asleep. And then I forget what they're called. Cattails? Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. the reeds and, and, and yes. yeah. Um, and the wind is blowing them on an empty log, so that's what's making the like, Yeah, so then he realizes that it's those and he plucks them and he's like he's wild going, with yeah. he's crazy with laughter because I think he's just like, Oh my gosh, everything's fine. I was nervous over nothing. Like it's it's just me psyching myself out and I feel like we've all had that moment. Or many of those moments to where we're like, we're nervous, we're scared, we're whatever, and then we realize it's something really silly. I've had those moments specifically like this, where it's like watching a horror movie or something, yeah. and I get scared, I'm like, I can't believe I got scared at that. Yeah. And so he's laughing at himself, and the horse is laughing with him, and they're just like holding Ichabod's each other laughing, laughing. The horse is laughing, the headless horseman is laughing, Wait. Yes. <laughs> and then that's when they realize the headless horseman is there, as you hear his laugh, and his laugh is so So good. good. Uh, and his cape, they show him, and his horse yeah. rears up. And it, he's got the, the pumpkin that's flaming, and the, uh, the his sword, and his cape goes like the... That's what I found. This is my second favorite villain so far after yeah. the, the Evil Queen. And I'll tell you what, it's capes. It's the cape drama. Capes is what it is, baby. Cape drama. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is really good. And so... The chase ensues at this point. The Headless Horseman comes after Ichabod. And again, this is a whole other visual thing that you really need to watch because there's a lot of back and forth with, um, you know, Ichabod and the horse. And they're trying to get over the bridge because that's the story. If you get over the bridge and you can make it. His power his stops. His power, his magic and his power. The Headless Horseman can't get out of Sleepy Hollow, essentially. Yeah. One physical part that I really enjoyed is when they end up getting real close and uh Ichabod looks down like the collar of the headless horseman and he And like, it like kind of it kind of echoes but then he has this like whole shiver through his whole animation and if you can hear that that is our dog lady. So yeah, him looking down the collar of the headless horseman that was a really cool bit when they're running around the trees, he's on the horse and then his chin cuz he's so tall 
like spins him up over a branch and then he's on the horse with the headless horseman, but he doesn't realize it. And so there's that whole bit. And there's it is very scary, though, because the headless horseman several times almost gets his head with his with his sword. I think it keeps from being scary because him and his horse are so cartoony. And have big eyes. Yes, and but sweat. as a child, I could see you being yeah. very scared for this. And kind of how it ends, it doesn't. Well, the way it wraps yeah. up, he crosses so, the bridge, and he's so relieved that he crosses the bridge. But the headless horseman throws the flaming pumpkin through the bridge, and the pumpkin just the covered bursts. bridge, and the pumpkin bursts. And the next day, Ichabod's hat. All they found was yeah. his hat and, and a broken pump- pumpkin, and the broken pumpkin, and that's it. And Brom marries Katrina, and they seem to live happily ever after. And some of the townspeople think Ichabod had many children somewhere. So they they say they say he was married to a rich widow. Yes, that specifically is what they say. And, and then, then and then they cut to him eating a big a big bird again yeah. with his family and all the kids, women Six, and men, seven kids, boys yeah. and girls look just like yes. <laughs> but then the last line is, "But they all knew that wasn't the case." People sleep at Hollow New. He was spirited away by the headless horseman. Yeah. I'm getting so, out of here. Yeah. That's the last line of the yeah. series. Guys, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so it kind of ends very eerily that you're like, well, I think, I don't know what to think. Yeah. Uh, so I can definitely well, see. I have a question about that. Do you think that the headless horseman are real or was that Brahm in disguise? I think the headless horseman is real. You don't think Brahm cooked that all up and... So I thought so at first because it was Brom telling the story, but then I was like, I don't know that Brom would have been able to pull that off. I think it was Brom. You think it was Brom? Brom scared him out of because he goes, he goes. It ends. So you at, think Brom scared him out of town? Yes, because so, I think he goes. His magic ends across that bridge, and that bridge was like out of town. And he's like, so he was putting the key of like, if you leave town, you'll be fine, into his head, right? Got it. I don't know. No one else. Everyone else is just kind of like, oh, yeah, this headless horseman. If they they all didn't live in fear of this headless horseman. Have you seen the Tim Burton version? You own the Tim Burton version. The one with, with Christina I've Ricci. I've never seen it. You, I think you owned it. Did I own it? Yeah, I've never seen oh, it. Oh, we should watch it because I think you'd like it. But okay. that's the whole thing is Ichabod doesn't believe, but the whole town believes. Got it. But I didn't like that. So one it's like Brown, a hocus pocus deal where everyone believes the Sanderson sisters and then the kid doesn't. Kind of. It's it's. It, it's it's interesting. I think it's worth watching. For yeah. Us. But so you, so I think it's Brom Bones. Guys, let us know what you think. Hashtag Brom Bones. Hashtag Real Ghost. <laughs> uh, hashtag I could be persuaded either way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we'll get into the questions on this one. How did you like the princess? That would be uh, Ichabod. Ichabod. I liked him. He was like I said. There, you know, I questioned his motives a little bit about Katrina, but overall, I liked him. I liked that he was quirky. I liked that he didn't he looked very different than a lot of characters animated characters at the time he was tall and lanky and quirky and i liked that about mm-hmm. him why do you like the prince that would be katrina she was fine i I'd, like again like i dove into like her more you know questioning her morals and her true interests, and i think she liked stirring the pot and i think she liked the attention but again we didn't know enough about her one way or the other how'd you like the villain. So let's start with Brom. I loved Brom. Brom was great, he and he just kept like reminding me. I don't. He yeah, felt like an antagonist. Not yes. A villain. Yeah. I don't know that I'd consider him a villain, especially up against the headless horseman. But I guess unless you think they're the same person. I forgot how much I loved the headless horseman. Yeah. But and he he's is... not in it for very long, but he's in it for enough that he makes a very strong yes. impact. 
Uh, but I loved Brom, and I think that's because I love Gaston. Yes. And so, and you it's know... it's such a direct It's link. such a parallel, and uh, it was kind of fun to see that, though. Um, what was your favorite musical number? Now, we had three big ones, I feel like. There was Introducing Ichabod, there was mm-hmm. Katrina, and then there was The Headless Horseman. Oh, The Headless Horseman song, so for good. sure. Absolutely. It's the best one. Uh, and I'm excited to hear that other version. I do like Bing Crosby's version, but I, I want to hear... There's a another version that I have that's on Spotify that's a woman singing it. It's Ooh, we'll have to put all those up. Uh, how does it hold up? Female agency, of course, is better than Mr. Toad, but Yeah, still... there are ladies in this one, but um, I don't love how they treat who we're Margaret. naming Margaret, but I do love Margaret as a character. Yes. Like, I thought she was fun. We should try and, and find quirky. out if she has a, an actual official name. Yeah. Um, drinking, smoking. I didn't think that was a big deal. It was just that you really, it's the beer in the beginning. And then her father smokes a pipe when they're on the cart. And I think at the party as well. Ethnic representation. There really wasn't much to go on. Same with guns and firearms. Not much. I think this one's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think if you had to sit anyone down to watch it, I think you just have to watch for the scare factor for kids. Yeah, and I think it is a very spooky story. So, um, you know, obviously, you know your kids. And if you haven't seen it, I would say you probably want to watch it before you show it to your kids. Yes. Uh, This is one of those that I feel like parents probably feel differently on what age they want to show their kids certain things. And I feel like this one probably falls in that category. So, do do you like it? Would you like to put it up on your shelf? Or would you like to lock it away in the vault? Listeners. You know me about the vault and the drawer. And this is a tough one again, because if we were doing individual, Ichabod, Headless Horseman, up on the shelf, main spot. Mm -hmm. But because they're together, Mm -hmm. I think it would be in a drawer. No way. You're putting it up there regardless? I like it so much. I, I, I... We'll but would you, you watch you? Uh, okay, here's the thing. The only you couldn't way I, skip. You couldn't skip. Fine. Then it's you're good. So worth it for me, and it's the same that happened here. Is I'm. I if, guess it is worth it. I I like the the last one so much. I think the wind in the willows sucked. <laughs> like, wind I in the willows. Really I like I was fine with, but it was all right. Fine I'll best. put it up on the shelf because I do love. The Headless Horseman. Honestly, Mr. Toad was potentially one of my least favorite segments of the. Package, package films, films. Like, interesting because at the worst i want it, you to remember all of the make my music right segments. but they were all shorter mm, fair this enough. one way overstayed its welcome yeah in my, in my opinion all right i'm with you listeners he's persuaded me i've taken i dusted <laughs> it off yes! i've taken it out of the drawer and i've put it on the shelf Absolutely. because i would agree with you that i love ichabod so much and i love the headless horseman and all really all the characters katrina is also fine i was worried going into that one that there was going to be something i had never noticed until now to make me not like it and while i agree ichabod's everybody in this in this stories i think brahm has the most uh genuine motive he has the most yeah. genuine motive of, of i think love. he i think he does love katrina but he's also so competitive that he's yeah, like i have to have nature. her yeah katrina is stirring up the pot in a way that i think is is, is, is questionable is questionable she's not because she's not telling them she's doing it she's just doing it ichabod has a whole bunch of greed going into it and, and as soon as a ghost came into the situation he's like i'm out of here like, yeah you know. uh-huh but guys 
This is it. This is it. I feel like... Uh, we're at the end of an era here. We're at the end of the package films. We've done it. We've made it through. We're into the 50s, and we're finally going to have another princess. On our princess podcast. Uh, we are so <laughs> looking forward to Cinderella, which is next week. And then that begins what I'm so excited for and what I think all of you are so excited for. A lot of these films that we have coming up, it's Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, and the Peter list Pan. goes on. Uh, but these are ones that a lot of us grew up with. These are ones that still hold a special place in my heart. And they're ones that I'm really curious going back as an adult, seeing what I still like, maybe what I noticed that I didn't notice as a child, and kind of everything we've been doing up until this point. So, so yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. And uh, we will see you next week for Cinderella. A real princess coming our way. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh-huh.